0: the morning show the home team no it's both it's the crossover with sam franco and chris brame
1: crossover. Step back. Ah!
0: Back right here on 960 therefcom what's up guys sam franco chris brame it is the crossover and it is football week 960theref.com. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes. You should do that because it would make it a lot easier for you to get every episode. It's delivered right to you on your iPhone, computer, wherever you download your podcast. So subscribe to us on iTunes. We are there. The crossover podcast from 960 the Ref. And as I just mentioned, heavy, heavy football today as the Dogs kick the season off on. Saturday cannot wait for Georgia and Appalachian State and Brame it's finally upon us
1: Sam did you know 10 years ago Appalachian State won at Michigan
0: yes I did I've heard that ad nauseum over the past few weeks uh, just people bringing that up and it's the 10th anniversary of it and everything and yes at the time that was the most shocking upset in college football history And there have been a few FCS teams that have beaten FBS teams since then. I believe Georgia Southern was an FCS team when they beat Florida.
1: They were still, yeah. So, yeah. you know, they might have been in transition. I mean, still, it doesn't matter. Florida shouldn't have lost to them. Although, we only beat them in overtime a couple years ago. That's fair,
0: but uh, that was the game where two Florida uh, linemen were blocking each other,
1: which was fantastic. Yeah, and Georgia Southern didn't complete a pass.
0: That is correct. But uh, we have seen some pretty monumental upsets in the time since Appalachian State upset michigan but this appalachian state team is a very good football team for the level that they're at i mean they are constantly contending for the Sun Belt title and uh, they're a team that's going to come in here and not be afraid we saw that when they went into neyland stadium last year and should have beaten
1: tennessee Absolutely. But, you know, the, the the thing about that game is in the aftermath of it, for a Tennessee team like Georgia's this year that was projected to win the SEC East, that was a bad sign for Tennessee that they struggled to beat Appalachian State. And, you know, I keep seeing the – there's a lot of excitement and enthusiasm, people picking Georgia to win. Uh, I, one guy picked him to be in the playoff and lose to USC – But if something like that is going to happen, if Georgia's going to take that big leap forward, then this is a program that has to start handling competition like this at home. The last two Sun Belt teams Georgia has played at home, Louisiana last year, the Dogs were only favored by 23 in that game and won by 14. And then the year before that, it was Georgia Southern who we were favored to beat by 13 and won by six in overtime. Now we're about a two-touchdown favorite against Appalachian State. Georgia needs to go from being a team that, hey, might be a dominant Sunbelt team to a team that is not even a dominant Sunbelt team, like just a, a competitive Sunbelt team to being a team that will dominate the Sun Belt Conference. So let's start with that Saturday and then see where it takes us. Absolutely. And look, Appalachian State gave Tennessee trouble. That
0: and no world should mean that they should give georgia trouble i mean the dogs are a very talented football team they return to defense that could end up being one of the top 10 in the country appalachian state might be a team that lingers around a little bit but by the third fourth quarter georgia should have a comfortable lead and should maybe be getting in some of the backups to give them a little bit of a playing time heading into
1: the notre dame game let's let's set the baseline at what miami did to them last year mm-hmm. which is go to boone and beat them 45 to uh to 10 because i mean that's the thing that's um it's kind of funny to me is we we've played these guys, was it four years ago, right? Right. And they had already, you know, gone and won at Michigan, but I don't remember like the whole thing about them winning at Michigan kind of being as as big of a, a piece of the narrative as it has been now, because since then Appalachian State has gone and they they gave up sixty six in a loss one time at Virginia Tech. They got mm-hmm. thumped by Clemson a couple of years ago. Um uh, they they've been back to Michigan since beating them in '07 and lost like 52 to 14 in Ann Arbor the second time they went there. Miami beat them 45 to 10 last uh, season. So uh, you know, let's hope Georgia can get somewhere in that neighborhood and start putting away Sun Belt teams at home before the projections of this is a program that's going to take that big step forward and be the national runner up this year or something because. Two touchdowns over Lafayette last year. In a game two, by the way, Georgia was outgained by Louisiana. And then you know, we're lucky to beat Georgia Southern. That's that's the dog's last two games at home against Sunbelt Conference foes. And you can't forget the Nichols game. Not a Sunbelt foe, but a team
0: that Georgia was favored by 53 against, according to the Phil Steele, and only yeah. won by two points. So, uh, yeah, Georgia has had some slow starts. They've had some times when they haven't been able to – really dominate like they should but last time they played app state 45 to 6 and that was in 2013 so
1: if if you've got like high hopes for this season for georgia if um if if the outcome of the game if the game flows similarly to to what happened in knoxville last year at the end of the the day saturday will you take the win absolutely Mm -hmm. i mean you certainly don't want to lose to appalachian state but um if If you've got really high hopes for for what kind of a season Georgia can have, if the dogs if that's not a pretty one-sided game on Saturday, then you better dial those back because it's not going to be a good sign because the but ha, what do you think is the average gap in recruiting between the two programs?
0: Oh, substantial. I mean yeah. I mean you know it's Grand Canyon size. right.
1: I mean I, I'm not and listen, I get they they're a, they're a solid solid team. They've won 21 games over the last two years but um you know look at a couple of those losses that they've uh, that they've had i mean most notably yeah they almost beat tennessee last year tennessee ended up having a, uh, a lousy season you know compared to what their preseason expectations were and miami beat them by 35 and miami was you know turned out to be okay i guess
0: yeah i mean look w- w- even in recent years when this team plays against fbs opponents uh, they they don't win these games. I mean, they should have beaten Tennessee, like we said, but they didn't. So Georgia shouldn't be a team that loses to Appalachian State. Georgia shouldn't be a team that gets taken overtime by Georgia Southern either. But, you know, those things uh, have happened in recent years. And, and under Kirby Smart, I'm sure one thing he wants to change is that narrative that georgia
1: sometimes plays down to their competition Yeah, and so i mean let's get beyond doing that and then maybe have a, a year where we think you know what georgia might be a national title contender let's not go from uh you know struggling at home to beat programs like appalachian state to just you know what i think this team's going to be in the playoff this year because then you're just I mean, you're just setting yourself up to be, like, really let down. Yeah, and year two under new head coaches, a lot of places, has gone very, very well. Sure. I mean, but, you know, there's a lot of – I mean, look at the ACC, which was a strong conference last year. There's a lot of second-year coaches in that year that, um, you know, are they all going to have good seasons then if uh, if Georgia's automatically going to have one? I guess uh, as far as the, the SEC goes is – How many schools have second year coaches? I mean, Must Champ's a second year
0: now. Barry Odom's a second year now. Um, Kirby.
1: Do we include. I'm not counting Coach O. I was going to say, do you include Coach O in this? You don't? No. Okay. Um, Because this is like more his first full season. Maybe next year we'll count him as a second year coach. That's a good point.
0: But I think that's pretty much it. I mean, you know, Jim McElwain's been at
1: Florida for a while now, so it ain't him. No. He got to the East and won the East in his first year and his second year. Mm hmm. So, yeah, I mean, so there's two other, Missouri and South Carolina. Are they not going to (laughs) be automatically better, too, that year two bump?
0: Yeah, I don't know if we're counting on Missouri to do that. And to be honest with you, I will not see them play in week one because they
1: take on Missouri State. So uh, that is one where I'm not going to be looking for it. (laughs) That's really – there's only two, I think, straight-up lousy games this week in the SEC because there's that one. And then Mississippi State, I think, plays like Charleston Southern because I'll even – uh, you're going to give Arkansas credit here. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Excuse me. That's the <laughs> third one. They're yeah. taking on Florida A&M. But that's Thursday night, so at least they're getting it out of the way. Yeah, that's true. But, no, because even, like, Ole Miss is playing South Alabama, and I'm well, I, I'm interested to see what Ole Miss looks like this year. Remember what happened to Mississippi State? They played South Alabama last year and lost. Yeah. I mean, so I think it's that's definitely on the table in Oxford. Yeah. Lose to those guys.
0: Yeah, no question about that. So, kind of running down other games in week one, there certainly are in the SEC and even outside of the SEC, but, you know, we like to keep it local around here. A lot of interesting opening games. Even Vanderbilt going to Murfreesboro to take on Middle Tennessee. That is not going to be an easy game for them. Middle Tennessee is a very good squad.
1: No, and then another one, Kentucky goes to Southern Miss, and Southern Miss beat Kentucky last year in Lexington. Yeah, of course,
0: Dave on the morning show has been calling that the Hornets' nest game for Kentucky.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think you could say the same thing about Vanderbilt and um, Mississippi, or Middle Tennessee. And Middle. And, yeah. you know, for, for two SEC programs that are, uh, you know, based on last year, I think both. I mean, look what Vandy did. Vandy won here, beat Tennessee. Kentucky beat Louisville. So, I mean, there's a lot of uh, lot of excitement now. There's actually football buzz with both of those schools, and then, you know, they've got these, uh, these tricky, tricky road games to open up the season. Not oh, ideal. Yeah. No, and then, and then you also look at
0: a South Carolina team that I think a lot of people think will be better just because, uh, you know, Jake Bentley's going to be going into his first full year as the starter. They're taking on NC State in Charlotte, and uh, that's going to be a tricky game for them. NC State is currently favored in that game. I believe at last check it was like five points uh, for NC State. And NC State's the Champions of Life. Let's not forget that. No, because you cannot uh, forget. After Butch Jones ordained Tennessee as the Champions of Life, then they lost to Vandy, then Vandy lost to NC State in their bowl game. So currently the title holders of the Championship of Life NC State, so South Carolina can bring it back to the SEC if they get away. Sure,
1: and you know Tennessee's rooting for that because that's really the the best chance. Might be the only chance that Tennessee then would have to uh, reclaim that title at some <laughs> point this season if it gets back in the um, into the league. I mean, that NC State team's got um, – that's a pretty veteran team they're bringing back. They've got one of the best linebackers in the country and uh, whose name is Chubb also, Bradley yeah, yeah. Chubb. But um, So that's a good – that's an interesting little test because South Carolina last year was – terrible at protecting the quarterback. They really were. give up a ton of sacks. And you got to give Muschamp a lot of credit for pulling the red shirt off Bentley.
0: A lot of coaches would hesitate to do that, not wanting to lose that year of eligibility. But Muschamp rolled the dice. I mean, he saw a problem at the quarterback position. They were not getting uh, the play that they wanted to uh, from the position from Perry Orth and uh, even Brandon McElane, So... He decided to uh, pull the trigger, and, uh, and Bentley was clearly better than those
1: other two. So. Yeah, and I think he did that after our game. And, I mean, look – and, you know, you, you look at it now and see not only did they win a couple games last year, including beating Tennessee, uh, but they ended up getting to a bowl game, which I don't think anyone expected they were going to do last season. And now it has kind of set them up this year where – they feel pretty good because they they did that. They took the gamble. I remember the the adding to it last year was the kid should have been a senior in high school, right? So he had skipped his entire senior year of high school, right? Right. Yeah, because I read a story about how Muschamp went to uh, Ray Tanner, the AD there, and who we all know is a legendary baseball coach too. So he kind of picked his brain about: Am I nuts that I want to play this kid? I mean, he should be a senior in high school, and we've got uh, you know, we're gonna, we're going to play Tennessee in a couple of weeks. Mm. And, uh, you know, Tanner basically just told him, if that's where your head is leading you, just just do it. it." And he did. And, I mean, it it ended up working out for him. And it's kind of, it feels like it has set South Carolina up to be a little more successful now this year. Speaking of Tennessee, they take on the enemy
0: in the, I guess, second ever college football game at Mercedes Benz Stadium. Sam, are
1: we going to beat Tech? It'll be the.
0: We're not going there yet. <laughs> It'll be the fourth football game played at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. The Falcons will have played two preseason games, Alabama and Florida State, which we'll get to in a little bit. But, yes, Labor Day night, Tennessee taking on Georgia Tech. And I've said this before. I'll say it again. My bold prediction for the early part of the college football season is Butch Jones going 2-3 and three in the month of September and getting fired on October 1st, or maybe even after the Georgia game on September 30th. I just do not see how butch jones is going to get out of this season alive and i think he's got a really rough first month and tech is a very tough opponent to play in your first game of the season
1: yeah i mean the at least the the benefit there is Tennessee's going to have the entire off season to focus and get ready for that triple option instead of you know what if they played him in like week two and they had to prepare for a standard offense and then had to get ready to play tech so it, at least they've got the the off season in this whole month that they can pretty much focus in and zero in on that and uh you know when tech also did kick off their leading rusher from last year Dietrich mills who they um uh, threw off the team i guess last week or whenever that uh or whenever that was but yeah it's an enormous game for butch jones when you factor in that their their next game after that will be in the swamp against florida rather well, than the indiana state game yeah I mean, i'll mean i give them that one still <laughs> <laughs> larry bird doesn't play for them anymore and
0: that's the thing i mean uh you know tennessee was finally able to beat florida last season after a long uh, losing streak. And Tennessee season last year was just really weird. Up and down. I mean, they should have lost to App State. Didn't have a super convincing performance against Virginia Tech. They were able to kind of
1: pull away there towards the end. Yeah, the Hokies had all those turnovers.
0: Only beat Ohio by nine points. I mean, yeah. the Florida game, they won. The Georgia game, they shouldn't have won. Um, although Georgia kind of had a hail mary there too, so I guess one yeah. But for we were one. up seventeen
1: nothing and blew. No, that Georgia should have won
0: the game, and then they had those three losses in a row. Where the A and M one was tough for them that double OT loss in College Station. Then you just get pantsed by Alabama and Nealon, and then to respond to that by going and losing at South Carolina was just really bad. They obviously won against Tennessee Tech, Kentucky, and Missouri, but then the Vanderbilt game. The final score was forty five to thirty four. It was not that close. Vanderbilt thumped them.
1: Yeah, and especially with what Vanderbilt did on offense is what was so shocking in uh, in that game. Now, South Carolina, maybe argue, they, they did end up catching them in a good spot because Tennessee coming off those uh, those two tough losses, the one on the road at A&M, and then, uh, you know, I mean, it's to be expected you're going to get hammered by Alabama, I guess. Somehow you just got to be prepared for that and get over it, but the Gamecocks being on the tail end of that definitely we're in a good uh, position. But, yeah, I mean, when you think for Tennessee, like, this is their year to win the East, or this was going to be their year to win the East, and they beat Georgia and Florida and didn't win the East. Yeah,
0: that was uh, that was brutal for them, no question about it. Speaking of the Gators opening the season at the Jerry Dome in Arlington, Texas, against the Michigan Wolverines, do we know who's playing in this game on either side?
1: Uh, so far, no. Uh, McIlwain says he might play all three of those guys at quarterback. and um... That seems like a bad thing. Like, like
0: You know the old saying, if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have one. Well, if you have three quarterbacks, what happens?
1: Yeah, I mean, well, Urban Meyer had that problem a couple of years ago. I don't, and it was a good one. I don't think. I don't think it's the same thing with Florida, where he's got the, like these three excellent quarterbacks. No, that is not the case. So, and that's the thing we know what you're going to get out of Luke
0: Del Rio. We saw him last season, and if Felipe Franks
1: or Malik Zaire can't distance themselves from Luke Del Rio, that really seems like a problem. That is bad, and uh, you know, and especially more so, I guess, for Franks, who now has been in the program for a couple of years, as opposed to Zaire, who at least is just transferred in. But the, I mean, the only thing, if I was a Florida fan now, that would help me sleep at night is maybe McIlwain is just he's playing uh, along with what Harbaugh's doing, where Harbaugh's doesn't even have a roster. Uh, they put one out the other day that just has uh, current NFL players who went to Michigan, and so maybe McIlwain is just well. I'm not gonna name a specific starter and I'll just suggest that all three of them are gonna play, but he's not really serious about that. Like, you know, he's got a starting quarterback in mind and one of those guys is gonna go. He just doesn't want to tip his hand yet to Michigan because you know, Harbaugh's a lunatic.
0: Yeah, and it's it's funny. In name, that is a huge game. There are two big teams, but I don't think anybody's really super hyped on either team when compared to some of the other teams in their own conferences.
1: No, I mean, Michigan, you kind of suspect it's it's going to be a, a bit of a step back for them. They're replacing so much. Right. And, you know, Florida, I guess the question is just where are they going? They've been to the SEC championship game two years in a row, but they definitely don't feel like they're any closer to winning the SEC than they were when Will Muschamp was their coach. Well,
0: that's the thing. They went to the SEC championship game the last two years with Will Muschamp-recruited defensive players. Those guys are gone. And the one thing that McIlwain was supposed to do was up the offensive game, and he has not done that yet. So no. if he still can't figure out who his quarterback is, plus he's having to break in a bunch of new defensive players, I'm sorry, this might sound like I'm speaking through uh, you know, one of the Georgia cheerleader megaphone things and that I'm wearing red and black glasses, but I just don't see Florida being that good this year.
1: Well, I mean, yeah, you're you're right. I mean, Muschamp's defensive recruits were excellent, and a lot of those guys have graduated now to the uh, to the NFL. But I mean, the one thing about Florida is they're always they're going to have players. They down will have there. talent, right? Yeah. I mean, it's just it's 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 not going to be that bad. And I don't know. I I've liked Florida the entire off season in that game, and I mean, it started where Michigan was favored up by about a touchdown. I think that thing's down to three and a half now, but. I mean, you know the idea of Michigan basically turning over its entire roster and going on a neutral site and beating a team like Florida mm-hmm. that i mean or i mean at the very least at the point that they were given away about a touchdown as far as the point spread went in that game, I mean, wouldn't touch Michigan at more than that now at three and a half, maybe all the value's been sucked out of it, but I still like florida to uh to win that game all right
0: the uh Conference schedule rolls on here in terms of bigger games in Week One. Texas A&M at UCLA. That's on Sunday night, and this is a huge game for both coaches. I mean, both of these coaches are on the hot seat, probably some of the hotter seats in the entire country when you look at it. I mean, Kevin Sumlin really needs to get Texas A&M turned around. This is his sixth year at Texas A&M, and he's gone eight and five, eight and five, eight and five, nine and four, and then he went eleven and two in twenty twelve. With uh, Johnny Manziel under center, but they have had some underwhelming seasons uh, the past three years. And if you look on the other side of this with uh, UCLA, especially with USC looking like they're about to kind of reascend to that level that they were at in the early 2000s and the mid 2000s,
1: you know, there's a lot of pressure on Jim Mora, The losing team there, it's hard to imagine that they're going to be able to have a good season mm-hmm. uh, with a loss already that early in the year and for for both like you said UCLA still at some point although it'll be I guess the last game of the year is gonna have to play USC plus I don't have the rest of their schedule in front of me but do they play Stanford Washington Oregon who do they play out of the other side this year uh, you know the rest of the Pac-12 South it is kind of funny how that's gotten how the two Arizona teams have gotten really bad um you know you can't expect Colorado's gonna have the year they had last year when they actually won that division but I mean Utah's probably gonna be as you know, still solid. They've been a pretty consistent, good program uh, out there. Even joining the Pac-12, and then with Texas A&M, you know what they've got. I mean, they they open at UCLA, they close at LSU, they play Alabama in the middle of the season as well. So yeah, either one of those teams is zero one, two embattled coaches, and uh, losing that first game of the year. It's if you're a fan of either one of those, you're gonna have a hard time. Yeah, it's sure it's a non-conference game, but you're gonna have a hard time really thinking. Are we gonna have A great season now.
0: Yeah, looking at UCLA's schedule out of the north, they play Stanford, Oregon, Washington, and Cal. Jeez. So they they play
1: basically the top three there.
0: uh, Yeah, and Stanford, Oregon, and Washington. So, yeah, they did not get an easy draw. In fact, uh, Phil Steele has their schedule ranked as the third toughest in the entire country. So... If you're a betting man, you might want to take the uh, uh, take the, the line that Jim Mora will not be back at UCLA. <laughs> they take the under on whatever their win total is, which I think was only like seven and a half anyway. Yeah, so they've got a tough one. I mean, even like that A&M game's not going to be easy. I know they host them, but uh, then they host Hawaii. Then they're at Memphis and at Stanford. At
1: Memphis, that's not an easy road trip. Well, today. Memphis almost beat them like two years ago. Lost to him by, I think, a touchdown. Yeah, or something? that was in 2014 uh, in uh, in in the Rose Bowl, 42 to 35. Yeah, so I was still, you know, Justin Fuente was at Memphis and he was making a name for himself, and now he's the Virginia Tech coach. I, mean, I doubt Memphis is as uh, as good as they were a couple of years ago, but um, yeah, but still, UCLA going to Memphis is definitely a a weird spot. Certainly
0: is. And uh, getting back to Texas A and M, I mean. You, They've just had such a weird go of things kind of the past few years. You know, all those quarterbacks left, and everything was just really bizarre, and it seemed like Kevin Sumlin was going to be out sooner rather than later, and there's still a very good possibility that that's the case. I mean, they outside of UCLA, they play Nichols in Louisiana back-to-back, so they should be getting some wins there. But, you know, in the conference, in the East, they travel to Florida. They host South Carolina, which is their common opponent, I guess, every year. They always play South Carolina. Out of the uh, out of the east, but traveling to Florida is not going to be easy. They do get Bama and Auburn at home, but they do have to go to LSU uh, to wrap the season, the regular season, that is. So, if you're a Texas A&M fan, this is a, a, another big season. But
1: quite frankly, looking at their schedule, it kind of feels like another eight and five. We were sitting here last year thinking that between Texas and Texas A&M, like both of those schools just had these blank checks waiting for uh, Tom, Tom Herman. Herman. And then what happened at A and M though is when the first playoff poll came out, they were ranked number four. Yeah, because uh, they were having a good year, and then uh, and then they went into that tailspin, which is what they've done uh, in the since they've been in the SEC. It's about the mid to late October that they start losing games. Yeah,
0: going into the Alabama game last year,
1: A and M was sixth. Yeah, and then they lost to Bama, but still had that was their only loss, so they they were. In that initial poll, they were fourth, and I think immediately lost. Right? Did they lose to one of the Mississippi's? They lost back to back to the Mississippi. So they beat Alabama,
0: and then they uh, or they lost to Alabama. Then they beat New Mexico State. Then they lost at Mississippi State and hosting Ole Miss.
1: Yeah, that was it. They're, so they were ranked fourth in that first poll, and then they went to Starkville and got uh, and got beaten. And that's been A and M's problem. But then the Texas loses to Kansas, and it becomes easy. Charlie Strong is gone, and so they end up winning the Herman sweepstakes. And meanwhile, Texas A and M is like, gosh. Um, I wish we weren't so good at the beginning of the uh, of the season last year. And now Sumlin is still there. And uh, look, I mean, if they win that game Saturday or Sunday, then uh, you know, then I guess it's on the table for them to uh, to have a pretty good year up until the point they host Alabama. But losing
0: uh, losing four out of your last five, with the only win being UT San Antonio, and losing to Kansas State in the Texas Bowl. That is why Kevin Sumlin seats really hot because sure. of a terrible end of the season.
1: Yeah, and now and, and again, if if they don't win this weekend and they're sitting at zero and one, and you're a Texas A and M fan, you're gonna have a hard time talking yourself into well, the season can still be saved and we can have a good year. I mean, you really no because you're not going to beat Alabama. You close out LSU. That it's it is crazy how A and M has really struggled to beat the two Mississippi's. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, they're they're in trouble. They are indeed. All right, two more uh, big games to get to here
0: in Week 1 here on the Crossover Podcast, 960theref.com. The LSU Tigers were supposed to play BYU in Houston because of Hurricane Harvey. That game has been moved to the Superdome in uh, New Orleans. So interesting uh, home field advantage there for LSU. They were going to have a home field advantage in Houston anyway against BYU, but this is a game where It'll be very interesting to see Coach O's first game as the full head coach and Matt Canada's offense and see what he brings to LSU because right now at quarterback, I mean, looks like they're rocking Danny Etling again. and
1: Still know. Etling. They, they've got Darius Geisbach, who, although he just had his wisdom teeth removed. Um, of course, he says that's not going to keep them from playing. They are going to be without Arden Key, though, on defense. So, I mean, they've got heavy, heavy losses on defense, and, I mean, BYU is one of those programs. You can play that game like we did with App State and Georgia and say, all right, what is what is the average recruiting distance between these programs? And there's no doubt LSU, it's it dwarfs what um, what BYU is working with. But BYU's always had that problem. But BYU has always been one of those programs that can be sneaky good and they've uh, they've from time to time as a Miami fan I I know in 1990 Miami was ranked number one in the preseason went out there and got beaten by future Heisman Trophy winner Ty Detmer and you know BYU is definitely game competition out there and the first game of the year for LSU with what they've got to replace on defense that's that's not a gimme
0: no no it's not and uh did you think Coach O was a good hire, or were you as an oh, SEC? Oh, it's terrible. You, so you didn't like the hire?
1: No. Okay. How does I mean, how does LSU end up with him? They're LSU. Because Jimbo Fisher said no? Yeah, and Tom Herman didn't want any piece of it because none of those guys feel like uh, competing with Nick Saban for another, like, six or seven years. That's fair. That's yeah. very fair. But, if you no, know, I mean, the guy was... The, the last time he was a head coach was at Ole Miss, they were going 0-8 in the SEC. He now was the
0: interim at USC and did a pretty good
1: job. Sure, team. yeah. Well, he was been, been the interim coach everywhere, it seems <laughs> like. All right, you mentioned Nick Saban
0: there. We'll wrap up the crossover, this opening football week edition of the crossover with the highest-ranked matchup ever in Week 1, Number 1 versus Number 3 in the AP poll, Alabama, Florida State, The first college football game to ever be played at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. This is going to be an awesome game. Alabama, a touchdown favorite as of right now. I think Alabama's going to win just because, I mean, why would you pick against them? But this is one of those games to me where... As long as it's not like an ugly blowout, either team can survive a loss and be back in the college
1: football playoff when it's all said and done. Oh, absolutely! The loser of that game Saturday night is going to walk out the favorite to win their conference still. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and if you, and if either one of those, if Florida State wins the ACC and Alabama wins the SEC. The outcome of Saturday's game really isn't going to matter to either one of them. They they might meet each other again. They'll probably play in the in the Sugar Bowl, which I think is uh, one of the uh, semifinals. With the other one being the Rose Bowl. I think Bowl. it's back
0: to the Rose and Sugar this yeah. year. Yeah, and then Mercedes Benz will host the
1: uh, championship game. Yeah, so I mean, so Alabama might um, let's see between this game, the SEC title game, and then the national title game, Bama might play three times. They might play almost as many games in there as the Falcons <laughs> do. Falcons are playing eight, right? Uh, Yes, they are playing eight. Seven
0: of them on Sundays, one on Thursday. Right. Uh, So So only one time
1: that Chick-fil-A will be open.
0: That's correct. Although, again, there are college football games and there are soccer games to be played in the stadium as well. Right. But people like to forget about that and blow everything out of proportion. But Alabama, Florida State, going to be an awesome one. Unfortunately, uh, it only uh, kicks off, what, like an hour and 45 minutes after Georgia's game. So... You can probably be able to watch the second half.
1: <laughs> well, and even that Florida, Michigan games at three thirty, So mm-hmm. that'll be right during a uh, peak tailgating. But I know everyone's got their, uh, their little, uh, uh satellite, the dishes satellite dishes. All set up. So.
0: Absolutely. So week one is upon us. We'll be back next week to recap all the week one action in college football. Probably look ahead to the Falcons who will be starting up the season as well. So for Chris Brame, I'm Sam Franco. Thank you so much for listening to the Crossover Podcast right here on 960theref.com. Once again, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes. And we'll be back next week right here on 960theref.com. You've been listening to The Crossover with Sam Franco and Chris Brain on 960theref.com.